0: Welcome to Between Sermons. Uh, I'm Pastor Carlton. I am the Executive Pastor of Operations here at Christian Life Center. And no, I am not Pastor Brent. Pastor Brent is in Japan on a missions trip. Uh, He's there to get every Japanese person saved. Uh, (laughs) I may be exaggerating, but uh, he's out today. And so I'm here joined with our founding pastor, Pastor Jerry. Uh, He had a sermon on Pauline epistles or Paul's letters Uh, to the early church and the sermon was absolutely amazing pastor Um, I think listening to your sermon you could have just quoted scripture and the whole church would have went up you didn't need any points (laughs) you didn't need an introduction a conclusion you could have just read through scripture because that's how powerful Pauline epistles are and and how great the sermon was I felt like the passion that you had behind uh, the teaching that you you did uh, those verses that you came across were very impactful for us um, as a church and sometimes we just need basic scripture mm. uh, especially for our sermons on Sunday there's one scripture that stood out to me and that's Ephesians uh, it's in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 um, and I'll read it uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us and I just love how you broke that down in the sermon. So can you kind of walk us through that? Uh
1: I tried to just make it uh as easy to understand as I think Paul wrote it. Yeah. That uh and it's it's almost uh backwards uh, than the order that it appears in in our Bibles, but but he was saying that the God that we serve is able to do uh what we ask or even what we think. But that's just the first level,, yeah. and then he's able to do above all that we ask <laughs> yes. or think. That's the second mm-hmm. level. Or he can do exceedingly above mm-hmm. what we ask or think. You know, it's just each one of those uh, just expounded it a little bit bigger. and I, and I love that about the verse in the apostle paul. he's he's building our faith for what God can do.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we put God in a box, and the box that we put God in is the the, the limits of our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And God is so much greater than our thoughts; He's so much more beyond anything that we can think of. And I think that's how we need to read our Word.
1: Right. Even the fact that He said, "All that we ask or think," you know, because uh, it, take it to to Christmas. You know, your your son, my kids. Uh, they could ask for a whole lot of stuff for Christmas, Right. but there were some things that they wouldn't. They wouldn't ask it. They might think, <laughs> might think it, it, but they would never ask for it. Right. And I think as Christians, we're the mm-hmm. same way. Sometimes we we ask Him for some things. We we ask a lot of easy prayers mm-hmm. or simple prayers instead of dangerous prayers. And uh, I think you know He's He's stretching our faith that He right. can He can even do what we think instead of just what we're asking.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, You really dove into some of Paul's letters and Mm -hmm. uh, Philemon is one of the the letters that, you know, we rarely um, listen uh, in sermons about or even read. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there's a character in it, Onesimus, who is a slave and he sits under Paul Mm -hmm. and Paul converts him to to Christianity. And like the meaning of his name, he now becomes useful in his work. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, how we as Christians today can apply Christianity in our own lives? I mean, Christianity is not just something that we have in our heart. It's not a mystery or secret that we're holding on to and keeping. But it's something that we should have as usefulness in, in, in everything that we do.
1: You took the words out of my mouth. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Pastor. <laughs> that's, <me. laughs> that's exactly the case, though, that uh, uh, our walk with God is not just a Sunday morning thing. It's, it's not just a go-to-church thing. Mm-hmm. It's It should impact every area of our lives. Yes. It affects our marriage. It affects our, our work. It affects our health. <laughs> you know, it affects mm-hmm. everything about us
0: yeah i i really like that because we look at that story and we say okay well this is just a story about a one-off character in the bible but when we think about how we apply that to our lives i mean the the christianity that we have or the jesus that we have it that light needs to be shined on on everything that we do and everyone that we come in contact with and not just people knowing that we are christians but we are also useful in the world and Mm -hmm. in every aspect Um, of our lives, and our family and work, certainly in church. Um, So we need to take, you know, that lesson that Paul is teaching in that moment and say, okay, how can we, how can I be useful uh, to the people that are around me, um, especially in work? You know, um, we talked more about the Roman soldiers who were with Paul and you mentioned that they could only be with paul for 4 hours as a form of policy can you explain that a little bit
1: yeah it's a, it's a, a a saying i guess or um, i don't know the right word to use probably but there's no proof of this but it's something that i've heard handed down that uh, that if if a soldier stayed with paul chained to him that was part mm-hmm. of their assignment if he stayed chained to Paul for more than four hours, he would he would become a Christian because Paul would have that great of an impact on him. Uh, but to me, what's what's amazing about the the soldiers being attached to him and all of that business is you know Paul was his whole ministry and his whole uh, passion was planting churches mm-hmm. and reaching people, and yet uh, for for those three or four letters, he was in prison. Uh, he couldn't. Preach. He couldn't uh, have right, a church right, service. Right. He, you know, he yeah. couldn't have an evangelistic right. crusade. Mm-hmm. You know, and yet he didn't complain about it. He didn't say, you know, <laughs> right. this is what this is what went wrong. You know, God, God's not. <laughs> he doesn't love me anymore. You know, he yeah. didn't. He didn't do any of that. And uh, those those soldiers were uh, later were said to be a part of Caesar's household because that was the position that they held. Mm-hmm. And yet they were Christians. In right. the midst of, of uh, you know, this wicked emperor. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing the impact that Paul was able to have on
0: them. Yeah, and those soldiers probably went back home or back to their line of work and became useful as Christians. True. But I, it, it was it struck me as interesting, the fact that uh, they could only be with him for four hours because any amount of time over that they would convert to Christianity. Yeah. And I start to reflect on my life and think about like, how long am I with the people that I know are not believers? Mm -hmm. How long before they realize that I'm a believer, that I'm a Christian? And then how long does my Christianity or my salvation impact them in their lives? Mm -hmm. Or even convert them to Christianity? You know, we are around our friends and our coworkers, you know, and, and we may be with our coworkers for a 15 minute segments of a day over the water cooler, or maybe at lunch. But a lot of people have worked in their jobs for over 20 years. Yeah. And so that amount of time surely is more than four hours of time total. So how yeah. long does it take for someone to recognize that you're a Christian and for their lives to be changed because you're a believer yeah. and then for them to convert to sal- to, to, to Christianity yeah. to Christianity and come to salvation because of it?
1: Yeah, I, I heard a guy one time who said he'd, he'd been a Christian for, uh, you know, for a week and... Nobody knows it yet. <laughs> you know, it's like he was trying to keep it a secret, you know. That's not the goal. Right, right. The goal is to share our faith.
0: Right. So. Yeah. So we have to take that into consideration and think that, okay, how long does someone need to be around us before they recognize that we're a Christian? Yeah. Before their lives are impacted and before they come to salvation. Yeah. So Paul wrote some letters when he was in prison and he wasn't just in prison. Um, because, you know, he, you know, committed a small crime. Right. Uh, He wasn't being sentenced to, you know, just a few years or months in prison. I mean, he was tried and sentenced uh, to to death eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, So his life is on the line, but yet he still writes these letters of encouragement and contentment and they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you know how are we today as Christians with the stresses of life, and you know not even being in prison, even though some you know may find themselves incarcerated. But you know we take the the stress of life and the pressure of life and the burdens of life, and we completely shut down our Christianity. You're
1: right, and I think that's um, I, I think I'm guilty. I mm-hmm. think I think most every Christian I've met has been guilty of that. That uh, we we let it. We let it rub off on us instead of us rubbing off on it, you know, and uh, it's not what God intended,
0: right, yeah, and I, I I remember you saying that in the sermon that you're you're preaching to yourself or you're speaking about yourself, yeah, and I said, Pastor, you're speaking about yourself, but you're also talking to me <laughs> <laughs> and probably everyone else who's listening. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the smallest things go wrong in our life, we just completely shut down, yeah, um, and it's one thing to shut down our work or ourselves or in our relationship with people or you know shut down our positions in our family but when we shut down the light of Jesus that that's inside of us i mean that's when it really becomes a problem yeah and paul writes these letters at the worst time of his life i mean he's he's locked up he's in prison and he's still you know preaching encouragement he's still delivering doctrine and correction right. and it's just amazing to see paul you know, have such enthusiasm about his salvation while in prison.
1: Yeah, in in one of those uh, prison epistles, uh, I didn't use it yesterday, but uh, but he he was talking about those palace guards mm. that uh, that were chained to him, and uh, he said, you know, because of that, the I don't know the the wording that he used, but in my in my words, uh, the ordinary Christians in that particular church, that mm-hmm. particular city. They were encouraged now to try to share their faith because they saw what had happened with these prison guards you know so right. rather than complaining he used it as a uh, an object lesson and yeah. a teaching for mm-hmm. them you know
0: right right so. yeah so uh, and more about the letters uh, you know Paul's writing like in Ephesians he's given some you know some fundamental truths about the you know our doctrine in Christianity, mm-hmm. some basic theology. Um, about grace and peace, our salvation in Jesus, right. and in other letters, he's giving correction to churches, like in Corinthians. Um, he's trying to, uh, you know, correct conduct. He's trying to establish, you know, Christian character, and that's important in the early church because they're just establishing themselves as a church. They're just understanding Christian doctrine, right. um, and they're also, you know, suffering through persecution and you know cultural issues that they're experiencing being new believers. So we understand why it was important for Paul to preach a doctrine and correction then. But Pastor, you've been a pastor for many years. You founded churches or you, know, you found Christian Life Center. You've been our senior pastor for over 30 years. How important is it for our church today, 2000 years later, to understand those same concepts of doctrine and correction?
1: I think it's of the utmost importance uh, because we still have the same issues, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the church at Corinth, in particular, was was known. To, uh, uh, the name Corinth, even uh, from what I've read in history, just uh, uh, blasted people for the sexual sin that they were. Having. There were about a thousand temple prostitutes. It, wow! It, it said, and, and so. Uh, the fact that they had a man in the church that was sleeping with his own stepmother <laughs> probably didn't, didn't bother anybody because they were accustomed yep. to yeah. sexual sin, sexual misconduct. And so Paul addressing it with them, well, it's, it's the same way. I mean, we, mm. we still have the same issues yeah. today. And right. so somebody has to address it. And uh, it, the Word of God is our, is our strength, and it's, it's, you know, it's clear yeah. what we should do.
0: So some of these cultural issues that we are experiencing in the world today and how it's affecting church isn't new. Not at it's at all. not new to the world, it's not new to Christianity. Right. So even the more so we should be looking at the Pauline epistles to identify how do we deal with some of the issues that we're having today. It wasn't just for the early church, right? but it was for us you know, now. Um, and so it, it got me wondering, um, you know how, how much of the Pauline epistles apply to our lives today? Because we could read through it and say, well, that wasn't our culture and was and is not for our time. You know, as, as a believer and a person who's reading the New Testament, is all of it applicable for where we are today?
1: I think I think pretty close to it. I don't. I don't I've never uh, tried to d- discern. You know. Where, what percentage would mm-hmm. not be sure applicable but uh, if it's not a hundred percent it's it's in the high 90s mm-hmm. I think you know
0: Yeah absolutely. So I want to transition to uh, one thing that you talked about in sermon and in, in service on Sunday and that's speaking in tongues. Okay. and the importance of speaking in tongues and having our prayer language. And I think a lot of people think that it's just something that you m- may get to in your walk with God. maybe there's like a spiritual hierarchy of having a prayer language, you know, that one day I'll graduate to that point. Mm. But can you walk us through what it means to have our prayer language to speak in tongues? Uh, when should we expect that to happen in our lives and, and maybe how we go about getting it?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think the, the mistake that I've seen in so many people is the thought that, uh, that this is a gift mm-hmm. and some people have it and some people don't. And that, that in itself is really a, a misreading, I think, of 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, the, the times that Paul's referring to a gift of tongues is not the same as the prayer language mm-hmm. that, that I was trying to emphasize. Uh, but I, I think it was God's plan for all of us as believers to be able to experience the prayer language mm-hmm. Uh, because it builds us up it, he, he names in first Corinthians fourteen he names off several benefits that we receive from having a prayer language and and and, and stresses the idea that this is for your private use, this is yep. for something you know your your daily devotions I, th- I think you can pray in tongues every single day i th- I think he's encouraging that. Mm-hmm. And he challenged us with that by saying that he does it. He prays in tongues more than anyone. So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's that's pretty strong uh, emphasis mm-hmm. when the man who is the greatest of all the apostles uh, is saying that I pray in tongues every day. You know, I think I think all of us should look to that as our as our model. Yeah, as our guide.
0: So now, Pastor Jerry, it could seem weird to pray in a language that's not yours. Uh, <laughs> how does one? Get to the point where they can experience um, praying in tongues and speaking in their prayer language.
1: Um, I don't know if I'm fully following your question, but I would I would say f- that you first have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you, you that that's the key that kind of sure. unlocks the door then yep. uh, for that experience, and then it's just a matter of using it. You know, yeah. Uh, sometimes people just uh even after they've been baptized in the spirit they it was like a one and done and that was not what god intended <laughs> right it's, yeah uh, i a think
0: r- it takes uh, a a matter of faith and believing that the holy spirit can do this through you yes um because a lot of times you know i grew up um in a different denomination uh and in that denomination, you know, it was a matter of, you know, repeating the same words. Mm. And it got to a point where it's it's not that, you know, that's necessarily bad, but you get to a point where you think you have to manufacture yeah. the tongues. And that's not the case at all. Not it's at it's all. the Holy Spirit speaking right. through you. Right. Can you give us a um, your story of when you first started speaking in your prayer, in, in, in your prayer language? Oh
1: wow. Uh, I grew up, as you know, in a very legalistic Pentecostal church, and uh, I was baptized in the Spirit at, I think I was 13 years old, at a youth camp, mm-hmm. uh, actually. But, uh, but I wouldn't say that I started using it as a prayer to, uh, prayer language uh, for several years. I think I, think I was, uh, I might have been in my early 20s or something when I, when I first started using it on mm-hmm. a regular basis like that. Yeah, what was the question now?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when your first experience speaking in your prayer language? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah my first experience would have been at age thirteen, but uh, it it wasn't uh, until later that that it became a daily occurrence. Yeah, it it was more. I think probably the best way to describe it is it was more of an occasional uh, outburst of tongues <laughs> uh, because of the move of the Holy yeah, Spirit in a sure, service. You sure. know, it, it was something yeah. that you you had to be emotional about it mm-hmm. and. And that's not true at all, but that's how it was practiced in right. the denomination I right. we up
0: in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Paul writes a lot of letters uh, and there's a lot to, you know, get from those letters. And some of the application is, you know, tremendously useful for our lives. You know, w- one of the greatest things for me is uh, when he talks about how a husband should be in marriage and, and mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I apply to myself mm-hmm. um you know loving my wife like christ loved the church right uh for an example uh can you uh give me you know an, an application from the pauline epistles that you've held on to in your life maybe something that you go back to uh, more frequently than other doctrines or you know character corrections or any type of application that you've learned in reading through paul's letters
1: wow i think uh, I think you took the uh, the most common one for me would be uh, the Ephesians 5. I yep. believe it is where where he talks about husbands love your wives mm-hmm. as Christ loved the church. Uh, and I know there have been many, many times that I've had to go back to that passage and say, you know, are you really loving Chris the way you should you know, <laughs> yeah. and the way Christ would? Right. So, uh, so that's that's probably the most common for me. Uh, but but. There are others, I'm sure. Uh, the uh, the the verses that talk about uh, how we treat our employers, how we mm-hmm. uh, how we are as a worker, yep. um, and that's in in more than one of his letters. He addressed that uh, two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard Pastor Brent say uh, once that if if every employer knew what Christianity does for the, the people that they employed they would all hire nothing were, but christians yeah, you know? absolutely and and i think that's that's accurate you yeah know? because the new testament makes it clear that uh that we're to treat them the way god is ordained yeah. you know so,
0: absolutely yeah. yeah i like um you know the the scripture uh, we can do all things through christ that strengthens us mm-hmm. and uh understanding that you know Paul is not a free man when he's he's writing that and when right. you read you know uh, chapter four uh, f- Philippians, he's telling us that we can pretty much suffer through anything through Christ mm-hmm. that strengthen that through Christ that sh- strengthens us right um, he's telling us to be content
1: mm-hmm.
0: in every area of life mm-hmm. and this is a man that suffered quite a bit and is currently suffering as he's writing that right. And so for me, it's like when trials and tribulations come, it's like, okay, Carlton, I can get through this, through Christ that lives in me. And then when I am in a position where I'm like, okay, I could be doing more, or I think I deserve more, or I should be trying to achieve something, Mm -hmm. um, I get the contentment that Paul is talking about. It's like, okay, well, I'm following the path that God has got me on, and he's got me in this place for a reason and I can be content and where, where I am. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, they need to um, kind of merge the scripture with where Paul was and fully understanding the context of the verse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we really need to understand. So how important is it to understand like the cultural background of, you know, what's happening when Paul is writing this or the condition that Paul is in mm-hmm. himself when reading through verses?
1: I think it's very important and it's also very neglected you know uh, the uh, the idea of the prison epistles Mm -hmm. uh, and and Paul I I was uh, acquainted with that knowledge I guess Mm -hmm. but I don't think I had really given it as much thought as I should have until I was preparing for this sermon yesterday you know it was like you know that was amazing that he did all of that in prison you know but uh, before before I had a, a call that I needed to address this uh, it was just a, a fact that didn't you know didn't impact me I guess you know
0: right right so. yeah and it's funny that you know Paul he ends up in prison in Rome because he almost chooses to mm. you know uh, take um,
1: out the almost <laughs> he, yeah like he, he absolutely was. chooses
0: to at the end of acts I think it's uh Felix who is the governor of the region in Jerusalem he says you know Paul would be free yeah if he didn't actually to go to Rome yeah. Why do you think he asked to go to Rome?
1: I think he was convinced that this was God's will for him, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, this is what he was supposed to do. Uh, I don't know if that was correct or not. Sure. But, but I, 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 that's what I get from, from reading in, in Acts, that, that he felt like this is the next step for me. Uh, even though everybody was predicting and prophesying that he was going to face perse- persecutions mm-hmm. and hardships, but he you know with him it was like that's that's what I'm called to do you know in fact he said don't break my in one place don't break my heart to the ephesians yeah. I, to the ephesian elders don't break my heart by you know telling me all these things this is what I'm going to do you know right
0: so yeah i felt that he wanted to go to rome because rome is the center of all things of the world mm-hmm. and him going to trial in rome it wasn't just paul on trial but it was christianity on trial True. and i think that that was a way that he can get the word of god to all, you know to, to everyone in the world because mm-hmm. Rome was the center of the world right. at the time right. And I, I think it was a very strategic You know uh, plan for Paul to try to get to Rome whether it's God's will or not um, I, I'm not sure 100% but it certainly worked
1: right,
0: you know the letters that we get from that time of his life uh, the gospel being spread you know all over the world as people understood what was going on in Rome who was this man Paul who's in who's in trial who's in prison right um and so I, I think that it was a strategy that worked well and it, for me in, in my life it lets me know that no matter what circumstances that I'm in the Word of God needs to get out right you know even if I think something is bad it could boost my you know uh, enthusiasm about spreading the word it, it could Uh, Give me charge. And it's not always, you know, when things are going good in your life, you know, a lot of times we keep the word in. Mm -hmm. But when you're suffering or going through some kind of hardship or tragedy, that's when your faith is built even more and then the gospel can be spread even more. So a strategy from the Holy Spirit, a strategy from, from Paul, it certainly worked in getting the gospel out to the world. It did. Yep.
1: And he, he shared that again with the, the church that he talked so much about those mm-hmm. Roman guards that that uh, it's all it's all worked out for the good of the gospel, you know. He right.
0: Said. So. Yeah, because those Roman guards, would they have heard the gospel maybe in their lifetime? No. If they weren't with Paul during the time that he was in prison? No. And then we learned that, you know, salvation is not just an isolated thing for yourself. It's not just something... It's, it's something that you take and you share it with your family so your whole household can come to salvation. Right. And I imagine those Roman guards with the enthusiasm of Christ that lives inside of them went home and told their family members about you their experience. It. You know it. Um, and were, was able to share the gospel with other Romans who may not have heard the gospel because they had other gods and you know different practices of faith that was not Christianity. Right. And right. that could have been a way to get Christ to Rome
1: just the example in I think it's chapter 17 where there was the earthquake while Paul and Silas were in prison absolutely yeah uh, they were ready to you know the 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 guard uh, the the soldier there was ready to kill himself because that was the Roman law if he lets them escape yeah he's he's gonna die and so he's uh, he's ready to go ahead and take his own life when Paul says you don't need to do that and the guy comes into where they were and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> yeah. That tells me that God was already speaking to him yeah. before the earthquake. You know, that's not the first thing that comes out of your, your mouth when you're in a bad situation. Absolutely. But right. it's like, what must I do to be saved? And as you mentioned, he took his whole family. Uh, they were all baptized that same yeah. night, right? Right on Immediately. the spot. Immediately, you know. Yeah, all because of what Paul had preached.
0: Yeah, and that's so encouraging when you said that, you know, the Holy Spirit may have been working in this man for some time. Yeah. Uh, when we look at what Paul done as an, as an apostle, uh, apostle, sharing the word of God, and you know, Jesus tells us that we need to go and make disciples of all nations and, and baptize them. You know, we, we kind of feel a burden on us, or a weight, I should say, Um, that that's a monumental task, Mm -hmm. but to understand that the Holy Spirit is already working, right. You know, our position in this is, is very low. Like we, we don't have much, um, much of the work to do except for sharing the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing, you know, 99.9% of the work.
1: We just cooperate with him.
0: Yeah. All we have to do is cooperate, be obedient and watch God work. And I think that's what's happening, uh, in Paul's letters, and the people that Paul comes in contact with, uh, from Roman soldiers, to, you know, to the guard, uh, the prison guard, when he was in prison with uh, Silas, uh, that the Holy Spirit's working, yeah. and it's our job to be obedient and to get the message out. Yeah. And I think Paul's letters really demonstrate that.
1: They do, and there's a song that we sing uh, from time to time here at CLC about uh, He's working even when I don't see it. He's working, <laughs> yeah. you know. and uh, that's. That's really true. Yeah, you know that we sometimes get discouraged or depressed, and we feel like God's not paying attention to what I'm doing. But that's that's all just a lie. You know? Right. It's, absolutely. Yeah. He is. He is working regardless.
0: Yeah, He's working not just in our, in our lives, right. but in the lives of everyone around us, right. uh, especially unbelievers. You yeah. know, the Holy Spirit is constantly moving, constantly working. And God is just, you know, waiting for us to open the door to invite people to know who he is. True. Um, and so when we, you know, tag team with the Holy Spirit, it, it's amazing what we can do, the miracles that can be performed, the salvation that can be had with, you know, the people that we know uh, when we partner with the Holy Spirit and understand what the Holy Spirit's work is and what our obedience should be. Right. So I think Paul yeah. really, Go ahead. I, said, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think Paul really uh, does a good job in demonstrating that for us yeah. and sharing that in his letters. So um, if you don't have anything else, Pastor, I think that's uh, about all that I have for today. Right. Um, thank you guys for joining us on Between Sermons podcast uh, next week. Hopefully Pastor Brent will be back if he doesn't stay in Japan and be a missionary. <laughs> uh, so thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.